Hi, everybody. Welcome to the It Hurts to Mom podcast. I'm Lauren Rose, and today we're talking about how we can help our children with school. Our guest is Caroline Sumners. Caroline is the CEO and founder of Empower Academic Coaching. She's passionate about helping middle and high school students reconnect to the joy of learning and helping their parents step out of the homework monitor role so they can focus on building great relationships with their kids. She lives in Savannah, Georgia with her wife and two dogs. Welcome, Caroline. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. I am a former teacher who got into this work because in my time in the classroom, I saw how little time there is for teachers to work with students on how to learn. There's a lot of emphasis on what to learn. And there's certainly people who are doing great work individually on helping kids with those skills. But I noticed it was really difficult for me to be able to work on those important skills with kids. I have a specific group of students that I still remember vividly who I knew were amazingly capable, brilliant, and should have been successful in the class if I had designed everything well, but they weren't. And they would walk into my class, these were seventh graders, and they would say things like, we have a test today. Uh, and I felt that I had made that abundantly clear, but clearly there was some kind of disconnect. So this is when I really started to get interested in the world of executive functioning, which is a term that captures the skills that as adults we often take for granted, things like planning, organizing, and prioritizing our tasks. But kids are still learning those skills. So that's how I got inspired to begin working with those students on those skills and how I began my business. And now I've been supporting students with this for five years. And I just see that the need continues to grow as school becomes more demanding for kids. So executive functioning you're talking about, is that the main reason that kids struggle with doing homework or are there some other reasons as well? Yeah, I think it's a really big reason homework is challenging for a lot of kids because it's really drawing upon a lot of those advanced skills. So executive functioning skills are uh, coordinated by the portion of the brain that develops last. And, you know, as we've learned in recent years, the brain really isn't fully developed until at least mid 20s. And there are other things that can impact that as well. So to ask a nine or 10 year old to be able to draw upon what, what homework do I have? Where do I need to work on it? Is my body in a good place for me to do homework? Am I hungry or thirsty or tired? Do I have all the materials I need? Do I have a space where I can work that's supportive of my needs? That's actually drawing upon such a wide range of advanced skills before we even talk about what's actually on the piece of homework. I think another thing besides executive functioning skills that can make it difficult for kids to do homework is the rest of their day up to that point. So school can be really challenging for a lot of kids. They might have had to wake up way earlier than their body naturally would have wanted to. They may have had to sit still and listen all day. They might not have had any form of recess or it may have been too short. 
They might have gotten into an argument with a friend that's really bothering them. They may have gotten a low score on a test that really shook their confidence. And then to get home after eight hours of school and have to plug into even more work, that's, that can be a really tough ask for a kid, especially if they're also struggling with the material. I was really excited to find out, my daughter's in fourth grade this year, that at her school in fourth grade, they don't have homework unless the child hasn't completed an assignment and then they need to do it at home. And there's, you know, they encourage, you know, working on, you know, math skills and things like that, but they don't have assigned homework unlike the other years, which has been great for my daughter. She often forgets what she's supposed to do for her homework that she hasn't completed. And I'll have to email the teacher for, for instructions. She doesn't know when her tests are, even though I'm sure they make it clear at school, you know. Um, what can I or she do instead? Instead of you needing to be the one to reach out to her teacher? Right. Yeah, so I will share how I'd approach it from an academic coach perspective. And then what I'd love to offer for you and for the parents who are listening is to listen out for anything that particularly resonates with you, considering that your child is unique and you have a unique parent-child relationship and you have so much parental intuition and insight about what's specifically gonna work for your daughter. So I may offer some things that wouldn't work, but I'm hoping that some of these things might um, jog an idea that you could try. So if I was working with this student, I would share, your mom shared with me that sometimes you forget what to do for homework. Does that match your experience? Are you forgetting to do your homework? The answer is often yes. Uh, so I'll go down that route. If it's no, that's a good indication that uh, that can be a source of the problem. There's a, there's a, a disconnect in what your perception is of what's happening and what your child's perception is. But most of the time they'll agree. And sometimes I like to delve a little bit deeper into that. Are they truly forgetting? Because that's perhaps a memory or an organization issue. Or is it a bit easier and less embarrassing to say I forgot it rather than I don't understand how to do it? Mm -hmm. But let's say that your daughter agrees and I would say, okay, what do you wanna have happen? What's the outcome you want? Because I wanna make sure we're on the same page about her wanting to remember the homework. I might even ask her, why is that important? Kids are used to adults asking this sort of thing sometimes and they may offer what they think you you want them to say. So sometimes I'll dig a little bit deeper here. If she says it's because she wants to make a good grade, I might ask, why does that even matter to you? What does that represent? And then maybe we'll get to something that is actually a little more pressing, like I wanna feel less stressed out about school, or I wanna feel more in control of my day. Okay, amazing, let's work with that. That's a really great goal for an immediate payoff because grades can take a while to change, but if you'll feel less stressed as soon as you remember your homework, that's really motivating to see that more immediate change. So then I think this is a good chance to try out some different strategies. And what you're doing here is actually gonna be really amazing because you're not just gonna be focusing on solving this specific problem, you're also modeling a problem solving technique for her by presenting her with some different options 
for success. So I mentioned that because sometimes I'll have parents who approach me and say, I really need help with my kid remembering their homework. I bought them this paper planner. I love my paper planner. Why won't they just use the paper planner? And I know that can be so frustrating when you have a technique that's really helpful for you. But for the child, it's even more important than them remembering their homework that they know what to do when they're facing a problem. So instead, I like to present some options. Okay, if you're forgetting to do your homework, what are a couple of options you can think of that would help you solve that problem? One might be a planner, but one might be instead of her, uh, instead of having you write the emails to the teacher, she writes the emails to the teacher. I think at her age, that's actually really developmentally appropriate. She's likely, if she's anything like the students that I've worked with, she's likely not going to know exactly how to write that. Uh, so I spend a lot of time working with my students on how to write an email. A lot of the communication they use is, is more short form. So they're not typically used to writing a greeting and perhaps saying a pleasantry first. Like, I hope you're having a nice week. And then making a clear ask. That can be really tough for kids and a great way for you to model some, uh, some writing skills for them to say, you know, instead of just saying, I don't know what our homework is, having a really specific ask, like, I know we have homework today, but I've forgotten what it is. Could you please send me what it is? And then teach them how to write it, you know, thank you at the end and sign their name. It sounds so simple and basic, but writing an email or asking for help, both of those are skills that need to be taught. And so that is one option that where she can be empowered to solve the problem. She's learning something and something else is coming off of your plate. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I love that idea. So in regards to homework, what exactly is the parent's job? Yeah, I think there are so many potential answers for that. And it <laughs> really is, I think it's such a personal decision. So when I work with parents, and they ask questions like that. I think it's important to think about what your educational and parenting values are and ensure that the way you are working with your child on those things aligns with that. So the parents I work with typically have values of, they, they, they prefer working with their child on becoming a confident, happy person who is successful, not, not in the traditional way that we think of success as um, perhaps financial or, you know, um, having like a, a certain class lifestyle, but more like successful in the way that the kid wants to be successful. If it's important to them to do pursue a career that's part of their passion, if it's important for them to be a kind person, um, those are more important than grades to a lot of the parents that I work with. And also it's more important to them that their child has skills for success that are long-term rather than short-term markers of success, like a, a good grade on a test. So in that case, I would say support in an empowering way rather than making the work easier for them, work on making it doable for them at the level they're at now. And that kind of support, so when parents are thinking about what's my job with 
in supporting my child with their homework, that's gonna be influenced by so many different factors. It's gonna be based on their age, the type of homework, whether they have ADHD or dyslexia or another condition that's impacting their work. But I think one thing that can be helpful to remember is the goal is not them finishing that specific homework sheet. Honestly, I've done a zillion homework sheets in my life and I don't remember a single one of them. And I can guarantee none of them had a huge impact on who I am today and how I operate in the world. Instead, that homework sheet is a chance for you to connect with your child and help them build the skills that will impact them in the future. So if they don't understand the material, that's one choice you could make. That's a, if you understand it, that's a great moment of connection for you to try and explain it to them. But sometimes what's more helpful is kind of what we've been talking about earlier, helping them brainstorm. Okay, this homework is hard for you. What are some options for getting help? And that can open up some really cool conversations that you might not get to if you just focus on getting the homework sheet done. Uh, sometimes I'll learn from students that they want to ask their teacher for, for help, but they're really scared to, or they want to ask for help, but they're not sure how, and they feel embarrassed that their teacher has gone over it a hundred times and they feel like they should have it by now. So then sometimes what I'll do is even role play a conversation where I'm playing the teacher and then they get to practice those things. Again, it seems like it would be so simple, but they need help on learning those communication skills. I also want to point out, it's okay if the support that your child determines they need is not from you as the parent. I honestly think parenting is the hardest job and we've been taught in our society at least that you have to do it all. You are completely responsible for your child and I truly believe raising children is a community effort. It really does take a village and there's a role for all of us in making sure that our next generation is happy, healthy, and whole. So maybe that means that the best thing for your relationship is not for you to be the person helping them with the homework, but find out who else in their support network could help. Maybe that's working with someone like me, an academic coach. Maybe that's finding a tutor. Maybe that's helping them sign up for an after-school program. Maybe that's finding a neighbor on your same street who's a former teacher. I think all of those can be ways that you're still supporting your child, but it might not have to be directly you. No, that's really interesting. And it's good to know that there are other options besides just parents having to do it. So I don't know if my situation is completely abnormal. Um, I know, so my child has pretty severe anxiety and homework is a battle zone. She stalls, she plays around, she gets angry at every little thing, she'll throw her pencil, um, she, and she won't do her homework unless one of us is sitting with her and helping her because she thinks she can't do it without us. And I know there are probably other families who have similar struggles, even if it's not due to anxiety. Um, you mentioned a few ways that we can kind of support her in learning while also help building more independence. Do you have any other tips on that? Yeah, I think one potential area of exploration is when is the homework happening? So a lot of parents I speak with really want their kids to do their homework right when they come home and get it out of the way because we kind of have a work first, then play mentality. 
Um, and so for, for anyone who's listening who may share that same type of approach, consider experimenting with something a little different. For a child who has just come home from school, they may really need some time to eat a snack, play, unwind, even if they're an older kid, even if they're a teenager. And this is a, another great conversation to have with them. Like, What would help you recharge your batteries after a long day at school? There's a lot of evidence to suggest that even, especially for kids with ADHD, but I think for a lot of kids that reward doesn't have to be something that happens after. It can actually happen before or during and increase motivation. Um, so, you know, thinking about with, with your daughter mentioning the anxiety, it makes me wonder if there's some potential there to come up with some, a list of strategies that uh, I would even like recommend making it visual of here are the things that help me to get my body in a my body and mind in a calm place. And that's kind of the first step of beginning the homework. Another thing I'd recommend for kids who are struggling with independence is I find that the kids I work with love, they love learning, actually. I think it's very natural for kids to love learning and school kind of squelches that love of learning sometimes. But they love feeling like they have some kind of secret adult knowledge. So I'll teach them the name of some strategies that are very simple yet effective. And somehow them just knowing the name makes them feel like an expert and like they have a toolkit in their strategy. So one of those super simple strategies that has a fancy name that a lot of my uh, students love is called body doubling. Are you familiar with it? I'm not. So um, it's something that we've probably all done and just haven't known the name. It is the concept of working with another person in the same room. So this is not that you're working together, but you're just working alongside each other. I think this is why coffee shops are so popular. It provides a physical anchor so that it's less likely for you to become distracted. We actually use this at the company a lot among uh, our team. If we are struggling with getting a task done because it's boring or difficult, we'll put in our group chat, hey, does anyone wanna hop on a Zoom and body double? And what we'll do is we'll set a small goal with each other. So in your case, if you wanted to try this with your daughter, you might say, what's your, you know, something that I'm going to work on right now is I have three emails that I need to respond for some of my podcast guests. And over the next five minutes, I'm going to try to respond to one of those. What's your goal for the next five minutes? And then she might, it might be something super small. I'm going to put my name on the homework page. Okay, cool. Let's let's each do our task and we'll check back in after five minutes. And that is a way of perhaps, you know, the, the time periods of her independence might need to be really small at first. But over time, I think that's a way of transitioning away from having to be completely there the whole time, especially when she gets to experience that success of, you know, yeah, I did the first five minutes and I did successfully get my name on my paper. I can do things by myself. Maybe now I can do the first problem on my own too. No, that's really good. So um, explain your three time management tips for kids that was on your uh, 10, 14, 22 blog post. I thought that was interesting. 
Yeah, I'd love to. So um, many people use timers as a way to help them stay focused. And often that's trying to beat a certain time. Like, let me try to get this done within 20 minutes, kind of like we were talking about with the body doubling. But there is a different way you can look at it. One is time awareness is also a skill to build. And sometimes kids don't really know how long a time, uh, how long a task is going to take them. So you can use timers for information rather than for pressure. So rather than saying how many, let's see how many problems you can get done in the next five minutes, it's let's look at how many problems you actually get done in the next five minutes and use that to, you know, make some better plans about how much time to set aside for your homework. Um, another thing that you can do is use tools besides timers. So for example, one of the coaches I work with on my team loves to use songs. She'll see how many dishes can I get in the dishwasher before the end of the song. Songs are a great uh, amount of time. They're usually about you know three to four minutes. And especially for those tasks that just feel insurmountable, for a kid to just have to focus on what can I do in this song time, that helps get them started. And usually once they get started, the rest becomes a little bit easier. And another tip I would recommend, my, my third tip would be to use past successes of where they have successfully managed their time. That's what I love about the coaching approach is it's really strengths based. So often kids just feel crummy about how they're doing with these really tough skills and school. They know they're struggling and they know that it's frustrating for the people who love and support them. And so I think pointing out to them the ways they've actually done a good job of managing time in the past can be a great jumping off point for, okay, what worked there that we can maybe like, maybe use in this situation? So you might have to get creative and thoughtful about that, but thinking about maybe, uh, you know, something they, maybe a Lego project that they did, or um, maybe they like put together a lemonade stand one weekend and you thought that they used really great time management techniques for figuring out like when they needed to go get the supplies from the store with you or like how much time they needed to create their sign for it. Finding those moments of success, pointing it out to them is so powerful because first of all, the things that we say to our kids are what they will begin to say to themselves in their mind. And so if we can start with those positives there, it gives them the motivation, you know, I actually can figure this out. I can do this. I just need to apply it to a, a different situation. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And that's a great life skill too, right? Even for adults, you know, using our past successes and applying it to our current situation. I totally agree. So let's talk about accommodations. So my daughter's got some accommodations at school due to um, being in speech therapy and um, having some, you know, her anxiety. Um, what are accommodations and how can we get some for our child at school? Accommodations are supports put in place by the school in order to make learning more equitable for your child. 
So that means that your child has some sort of disability or condition that if it was not accommodated for, would lead to them not being able to access their education in a fair way. And there are laws that protect children um, so that they can have this equitable access to education. And the, the reason this is important is let's take uh, for example, a child with ADHD, if they're always given strict timed tests and they don't do well on them, we actually have no idea if that's truly because they don't know the information or if it's because they simply did not have the time that they needed in order to effectively communicate what they know. Because one of the characteristics of ADHD is called time blindness or time aphasia, where they experience time differently than many people without ADHD. So any student who, are, or any child who qualifies for accommodations, that means they have some particular and unique conditions that don't mesh with the way schools are currently operating most of the time. And what you can do if you think that your child may have a condition um, that would lead them to not get the education they need without some supports. I think talk to your pediatrician, talk to your child's teachers. There will be someone at the school who coordinates things like this. And there's two official pathways for getting concrete and legally protected accommodations for your child. I'll also talk about what to do in case that doesn't apply to your child, but they still need some help but perhaps they don't have an official diagnosis or anything like that. So if your child does um, end up having an official diagnosis of um, something like a disability or a medical condition that impacts their learning, then you will want to explore with your child's school something called a 504 plan, or perhaps depending on your specific child, it might be an individualized education plan or IEP. So definitely your child's school will be the best, uh, will be a great resource there and then your child's pediatrician as well. But I also do wanna mention, if you notice your child is struggling but they may not have a specific condition, they're not gonna be eligible for one of these legally protected plan, but I want parents to know anyone can advocate for their child's needs. Um, you're perfectly within your rights to talk to your child's teacher if you're concerned that they're not getting the information in a way that works for their learning. And I find it's most effective to enter that conversation as partners in finding a common, you know, finding that common goal. We're here to make sure that my child, your student, gets what they need. Like, what can we do as a team to help that happen? Yeah, that's great. My daughter's got things like extra time to take tests and um, the teacher can read some of the questions out for her and she gets to go in a special room if kids are making too much noise and got a little spelling book, you know, at her at her desk. So it's been really helpful, I think, for her to have those accommodations. So I definitely agree, you know, advocate for your child because little things like that can be really helpful. Yeah, and you know, one thing that I think is really important to highlight is it, sometimes I'll talk with parents who feel like this is somehow 
cheating or like that their child should just be able to learn to navigate the world even if it's unfair and and i i think it's it's great that you just pointed out how helpful those things are for your child because of her specific experience she deserves those things to be able to truly show her learning you know something that i say is i i'm living to create a world where we actually don't need accommodations or as many because it means that we're building things to be accessible from the start. So unfortunately that's that's the situation we're currently in that you have to ask for it when you don't when you don't fit into the typical school day, but ultimately I think any kid who needs a quiet distraction free place to take a test should be able to have that. Any kid that needs more time on a test in in a lot of cases I think they should be able to, to have that. Because really, what is school about? It's, it's about education and learning. So how can we create the conditions where that can happen and where kids can truly show us instead of showing us, oh, I got a bad grade because I wasn't focused. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. It'd be, I think kids deserve the chance to succeed and it's up to the adults to set them up for success. Absolutely. What's one piece of advice you'd give for parents who have kids who are struggling to study or do homework? I'll do two. I, okay. I would say one is to have patience with them and know that it is completely normal for them to struggle with these skills. Because as I mentioned earlier, it's rare that they're taught in schools on a consistent basis and also developmentally where they are these are the skills they're currently developing so it is it completely makes sense that they'll struggle but two you can support them in a way that doesn't burn you out so one question i've been asking myself a lot in my work with students is thinking about what do they most need in this moment because a lot of the things we've talked about today i acknowledge are time intensive and also will take practice and they're not always appropriate. If you don't have the time and space to have that conversation in that moment, then don't do it. Maybe your child has a test tomorrow and they're not prepared. This is not the time to have a long drawn out conversation about creating a study plan and learning about different study techniques. But when you ask what they need in this moment, if they're struggling with studying or doing homework, you might ask them, how could I best support you right now? And if they don't know, you can even offer options. Would it help if I made you a study snack? What if I quizzed you over your study guide? What if I put on some focus music? And sometimes it's easier for them to pick from options when their brain is feeling full. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, so where can we get more information about you and about what you do? I'd love for you to head on over to our website it is empoweracademiccoaching.com and click the button to book a call with us if you'd like this type of holistic academic life coaching support for your child. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any health, parenting, or life advice. For my freebie, 30 Ways to Relieve Pain Without Taking a Pill, go to hurtstomom.com slash tips or at it hurts the mom on Instagram under pain relief. If you have comments, suggestions, or want to be on this podcast, feel free to email me at it hurts the mom at gmail.com.
Have a blessed day, everybody.